Warning. Listening to this podcast could be hazardous to your mental health. Side effects could include random fits of yelling go bills to total strangers. For your safety, the entire collective medical community recommends caution when consuming this podcast. You are listening to Buffalo on the Brain with the most unathletic man in Bill's Mafia, Vince Taylor. That man was absolute dog water. The prophecy stated, a young man would rise out of a small, relatively unknown college. It is said, this man had a legendary weapon attached to his body, and he would wield this weapon against all foes. He would do this as a force for good, and lead the Buffalo Bills back to the promised land. The prophecy is now upon us all. May God be with all of those who stand in Josh Allen's way. This is where the story begins. Week 1 of the 2021 season. Josh Allen will fulfill the prophecy and destroy the Pittsburgh Steelers in a quest for honor and glory. So it is written, the prophecy will be fulfilled. Let's get out there, kick the bat! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Yes, yes, Bill's Mafia, what is going on? How are you doing today? Thank you so much for choosing to spend your Labor Day with me. I hope you had a wonderful Labor Day. And just so you know, we are inside a week to go before we get our beloved Buffalo Bills back on our TV sets and in our minds and in our eyeballs. And I'm so excited. I can't wait. It's been a very long offseason and I'm ready to get back to it. You are listening to Buffalo in the Brain. I'm your host, Vince Taylor. Thank you so much for choosing to listen to me today. I would like you all to do me one small favor before we get into this. I know I'm always asking for you to click like and click subscribe and click follow and leave thoughtful reviews. I want you to do something else as a tribute to all of the other great creators, not only on this brand, because there are so many other great creators right here on the Built in Buffalo brand, but all across the platforms. I want you to go out and I want you to send some thoughtful messages to... I don't know, let's say two or three of your favorite creators. Put a message out there on Twitter. Send them a DM. Just let them know that you appreciate their work. It always feels good. I enjoy saying nice things to other people and about other people. And I try to support all of the other podcasts and their work. And it would mean so much to me if you'd go out there and say some nice things to your favorite podcasters. This week, I was supposed to have a Steelers podcast on to help me break down the Pittsburgh Steelers game this week. Unfortunately, he had some trouble with the storms. We were not able to reschedule. He is okay and he's safe, but we had a hard time connecting schedules this week. So I'm going to break down the Steelers for you as best as I can. I'm not a Steelers fan. I don't follow them as closely as other podcasters might, but I'll do the best I can. 
We also have Real or Silly with my guy, Justin Goddard. I look forward to that segment every week. I enjoy speaking and spending some time with Justin over from the Wandering Buffalo right here on the Built in Buffalo Network, as well as the hot seat this week, which features one of the Mafia's favorite people, David Tilton. Tilt Money, one half of the Air Raid Hour. Always just a nice guy and very smart and very articulate in breaking down his thoughts. I just, I enjoy him. Steve does a good job as well. And last but not least, one of the hardest working people in, well, all of content creation, I think. But right here, a built-in Buffalo brother, Justice General, will also be joining me in the hot seat. I don't know when that guy gets any sleep. I like to tease him because he does so much, and I, I call him a robot. He's a content creation robot, and I, I'm sometimes I'm not sure if he knows that I'm uh, lightheartedly teasing and he doesn't know how to take it, but uh, I have nothing but love for Justice, and he works hard. And all of us here at Built in Buffalo, we, we all benefit from the hard work that guys like justice do for the built in buffalo brand so thank you so much justice we appreciate it before we get started i also want to apologize for my voice if it seems a little odd to you this week it's because i was at a football game yesterday for my college alum and i maybe had went a little crazy with my vocal cords and today they feel a little hoarse so my voice sounds funny and it might have a terrible voice anyway so maybe you're hearing this and you think well vince sounds better this week and Maybe that's true because it's, you know, my voice is so terrible that maybe damaging the vocal cords is beneficial to everybody listening. But let's jump right into it. We have Saturday, one o'clock, the Bills against the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. The Bills have beaten the Steelers in the last couple of games they played them. Last year was not an easy win. Now, now we all remember that the Steelers had that blistering hot start when they came out on fire. I think they ended up going 11-0. Then they lost to the Redskins. The Bills were the ones that cost the Pittsburgh Steelers their number one overall seed. But that game was not easy. We might remember it that way because we won and we had such an amazing season. But they had a really good defense. And if you remember, they frustrated Josh Allen for an entire half. That game was close. After halftime, it got better. That game was still one of Josh Allen's worst games of 2020. Even if he ended up, well, I guess Josh Allen's worst games now are many of the drought quarterbacks' best games. Uh, but by Josh Allen's increased standards, that was a tough game for him. That game was closer than what we might remember. We also had a Teron Johnson pick in that game. That was that was a difficult win. It was still a quality win because. Big Ben may have been regressing before our eyes on a week-to-week schedule. It just, if you remember how Peyton Manning fell off the face of the earth when his football, his ability to throw a football, it's felt the same way about, well, when you're watching the Steelers offense last year. It was just pathetic. And they couldn't run the ball either. But they did give us fits. We ended up winning that game. I'm not willing to say that this game is a gimme. There's There's some doubt here. I'm not going to call it a loss. I'm calling this game to be a win. I give it about an 80% probability, but there's some chance to lose here. I uh, Pittsburgh still got a good defense. I I give this about an 80% chance, 80% probability that the Bills win, especially because it's at home. But let's go ahead and break it down. So we know that 
the Steelers offensive line was terrible last year. It was terrible when we played them last year. It's not supposed to be a strength of this team again. We had their uh, Marquise Pouncey, their longtime center, retired. They also lost their tight end, Vance McDonald. They replaced Vance in the starting lineup with Eric Ebron, who is a very accomplished pass catcher. Uh, he's probably somewhere in the middle to top half of the league in, in terms of uh, starting tight ends. He's never going to be confused with a Travis Kels, a Darren Waller, or a George Kittle, but he's a, he's, a, he's a receiving threat. I saw him here in Indianapolis catch a bunch of touchdowns a few years ago. He was not terrible with the Lions. Yes, he's probably a bust. He's never going to live up to the first-round status that was tagged on him when he was drafted, but he is a very accomplished tight end, and you know that's, that's not nothing. Uh, they also lost Steven Nelson, who they released, signed with the Eagles, if you listen to my podcast for any length of time, you know that all offseason long, that was the guy that I wanted to start opposite Trey. It didn't happen, but that's a loss for them. They're replacing him with what looks like right now a guy named James Pierre, who is an undrafted free agent. And I don't want to judge too harshly on that because we have our own undrafted free agent in the form of Levi Wallace starting opposite of Trey. Uh, so I don't know much about James Pierre. That's really the only thing I know about him. He's been in the league maybe a year or two. He was undrafted. The, the Steelers did try to rebuild their offensive line. They brought Trey Turner over, who's older. Um, but I think on that right side, there could be the opportunity for them to get better uh, with Trey Turner and Joe Haig. Uh, in the interior, they are going with some youth. They have J.C. House and I are, if I say that name correctly, they've got a late round pick in Kendrick Green there to back up center as well. And then Kevin Dodson and Chuk Wamora Okorafor. I don't know much about this. I don't know much about him, but I think the Steelers offensive line was so bad that there is the opportunity for it to be improved. Now, are they going to go from being terrible to middle of the pack? Maybe that's too big of a jump to make, but I do think there's the opportunity to get better. They didn't spend any high draft capital on the offensive line. Instead, we know they added Najee Harris, who a lot of Bills fans fell in love with. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on which side of the fence you're on, the Bills did not get Najee Harris, and he went to the Steelers. That's probably not the best investment to make. I had a talk a while ago with Nate from Circle in the Wagons, and he said that's like upgrading you know your movie room in your house instead of working on uh you know the basement or something that's more or fixing your roof and uh, i thought that was that was a great analogy they also signed melvin ingram he's going to supplement that defensive line right now stefan Tuitt is on the ir so he will not be active for the game against the buffalo bills and they also lost bud dupree who is a star pass rusher. Now there's also some doubt right now about the availability of TJ Watt for this game. I'm not buying into that noise. There's some contract dispute. He hasn't really been practicing with the team. And there's some concern that if he does not sign his contract with 48 hours before the game, that he's not going to get enough practice time to actually be able to play in the game. I'm not buying any of that noise. He's going to get taken care of and he's going to be ready for week one. I that's just my feeling. I, I don't think they're going to let this drag out. Now the Steelers had 
you know, a bunch of turnover. You're hearing all the stories about how Big Ben looks leaner and trimmer and slimmer coming into training camp, and I don't care. Don't give a rat's ass about it. You hear that all the time about every player in every training camp. Everybody always looks good. You always hear the positive stories because you just don't talk negatively about your players or your coworkers or your teammates. So that means absolutely nothing to me until he shows me he can do it in a regular season game. And at this point, it's week one. So I have nothing else to go on other than how terrible he looked last year. Not buying into the Big Ben hype. They've had a lot of turnover, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of lost free agents, um, some cuts. What are the Bills doing? Well, the Bills lost John Brown, who we all like. He was a fan favorite. He's a burner. He was replaced with Emmanuel Sanders, who is the same caliber type of player, even if they have maybe a little bit of a different skill set. And by the way, John Brown just got cut from the Raiders. He got cut from the Raiders. John Brown got cut from the Raiders. So that that's an upgrade. As far as I'm concerned, it has to be, right? Um, the top three wide receivers on the Bills, and I'm talking Sanders, Diggs, and Beasley, are really sharp route runners. They're all really sharp. They're all really sneaky. And yeah, maybe we don't have that burner, but Stefan Diggs is no slouch in that department. He can run. He's not going to be as fast as John Brown. But in addition to all that, you have to cover a lot of the field with the Bills horizontally on, on that access because we are so good at just faking people out and running our routes so crisp, crisply and being where they're supposed to be. I haven't even talked about Gabriel, Gabriel Davis and his toe drag swag. So um, I don't know. The Bills aren't really doing anything. No turnover except for that one spot. We only added... We only added. That's worth something. I still think it makes the Bills probably the third team in the AFC, maybe behind the Chiefs. And I'll put the Browns right there too. I'm sticking by that. I think the Browns are going to be a good team. But the Bills have that whatever that's worth, keeping the entire team together, all these starters, and adding pieces like Rousseau, Basham. Some people think Basham is going to be inactive every week. That might be true when you start breaking down the numbers. In fact, Tilt actually did a really good breakdown on that on the air raid this week. But I think you have to give the edge to the Bills here. Yeah, I I think the Steelers do have some opportunity to maybe get better because they just weren't that great last year. But if you want to break it down position by position, we can attempt to do that right here. At quarterback, the Buffalo Bills have last year's MVP runner-up and this year one of the MVP favorites and a lot of people are saying he are he is and he will win the MVP in 2021 going against Big Ben who seems to be falling off before our very eyes so advantage Buffalo offensive line you know our offensive line is not great we having Josh Allen back there can cover up a lot of deficiencies but I do really like our two tackles Deion Dawkins and Daryl Williams are two really good tackles. Now, the interior line's where it starts to get a little... It makes me itchy, I think, when you think about it, because uh, Mitch Morse is one concussion away from hanging him up, and even when he's in there, I'm not sure that he's that guy that we signed. You know, right now, it appears that we have John Feliciano starting on the left side. He's might be the worst of the starters at this point. And on the right side, we have Cody Ford, who... This past week, we're hearing that 
yeah, Coach McDermott's a little bit hesitant to call him a starter. Does that mean that I don't know, Botker can take that position? Maybe. But the point is, our offensive line is not great. I don't think they're just great, even if they get a little bit improved. I'm still going to give the advantage here to the Bills. When it comes to running backs, I'm team motor, 100%. I love motor. I want a motor jersey. I'm less enthused with Zach Moss. I think Zach, I think Matt Breida is going to have some type of role on this team. I don't think they signed him looking for speed just to keep him inactive every week. I think they're going to find ways to use him, and I don't know what that looks like if that means having five running backs, counting Taiwan Jones and Reggie Gilliam active every week, or if maybe some weeks Moss sits and Breida takes the place of him based on what they see in a matchup. I'm not completely sure that Singletary is ever going to be benched, but I'm not willing to write that off as a possibility either. And I like the Bills running backs very much as a committee. Over on the other side, the Steelers have Najee Harris. We all know that the Bills fans were in love with him during the draft process. Steelers snagged him up, but they put him behind that offensive line. That was super questionable. But as far as running backs go, they also have Kalen Balazs. I liked Kalen Balazs back when he was with Miami. He's an underrated back. He's never going to be a bell cow guy, but he's he's a very good supplement to what they have in Najee. And uh, running backs... For whatever that advantage is worth, I'm going to give that one to the Steelers. Tight ends. The Steelers also drafted another Bill Starling in the form of Pat Fryermuth to go along with Eric Ebron. That's most likely their two starting tight ends. To go against Dawson Knox and Tommy Sweeney, I am a Tommy Sweeney fan. I think he does everything pretty well. Doesn't doesn't seem the type that it, that is going to excel in any area of the game. You might not even notice him a ton when he's on the field, but he probably end up catching something around 20 passes for the year. But there might be there might be ones you remember. But um, he's just going to kind of fade into the background. I think. Um, I, I guess at this point, because we still don't really know about Dawson Knox, we're just hoping he had make the jump. Because he went to the hand-eye coordination specialist, and he went to tight end university, and they made the investment in him by letting Jacob Hollister go. I still want to give the advantage here in the tight end department to the Steelers for whatever that's worth, even if they have a rookie. Um, I just, you know, I'm not really loving our tight ends right now at this point, and uh, my opinion might change if Dawson Knox takes that giant step. But I think for right now, that's the fair way to look at this. I'm going to go ahead and take a look at the safety position because that's the more interesting one to me, and that's the one I want to talk about first. The Bills, as we know, have one of the best safety tandems in the league in the form of Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. They play off each other really well. They're somehow still underrated. Now, it's because Micah Hyde is not getting the interceptions that he used to. Maybe that changes this year if we if the defensive line gets upgraded, which we think it might be. Maybe that changes, but I like these two safeties and I don't have to hate the safeties on the other side because they probably have the best safety in the league in the form of Minka Fitzpatrick, who is an animal. That guy is all over the ball. He might be the best safety in the league. And starting opposite of him is Tremaine Edmonds' brother, Terrell Edmonds. My read on him right now is that Steelers fans are somewhat disappointed with him. And I think I saw something today that they're not even sure he's going to get a second contract with the Steelers. So that's why I want to lead, uh, lean and give the advantage to the Bills. Even if you love Minka Fitzpatrick, I think if you look at both those starting safeties as a package, the fair thing to do would, would be to say that the Bills have the better one. But 
Minka Fitzpatrick's really good. Moving on to corners. They did lose Steven Nelson. They have Joe Hayden over there, who's getting a little bit old. He's not the same Joe Hayden that he was maybe a, a few years ago, but he's still pretty good corner in this league. He's never, well, at least at this point in his career, he's not going to be mentioned up there with the 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 top 10, or maybe not even top 15 in the league, but he's no slouch. Joe Hayden can still get it done. Starting opposite of him, is no longer Steven Nelson. It will be the undrafted free agent that I mentioned a while ago. His name is James Pierre. Um, if you look at those two, compared to the Bills, cornerbacks, Trey White and Levi Wallace. Of course, we have Teron Johnson starting in the slot. I think you have to give the advantage to the Bills here. So the secondary, you got to lean Bills. Moving over to the linebackers. Yes, we don't have to worry about Bud Dupree because he's no longer on the team. But they still have some good linebackers over there in Pittsburgh. Their front seven, maybe it's not going to be quite what it was last year, but I still think it's pretty formidable. Uh, Right now, as I said earlier, we're not sure what's going to happen with TJ Watt, but I think you can probably bet on him playing. I think he's going to end up being there. Devin Bush is a fine inside linebacker too. Joe Schobert and Alex Highsmith, that's... Well, then you have Melvin Ingram as well. That's a pretty good linebacking core. Compared to the Bills, we're usually going to start two, but we'll go ahead and count A.J. Klein as one of the starting linebackers. Of course, Matt Milano and uh, Tremaine Edmonds. You will hear me talk a lot about Tremaine Edmonds. I talk about it later on the hot seat with Justice, and I'm I'm not a Tremaine Edmonds lover right now. Um, I've still got some hope that he can get it together and become the guy that some people think he is and some people don't think he is. I don't think he is. But, um, you know, he's fine. Yeah, he's. you could do worse than having him as your starting linebacker. I just don't think he's elite. Uh, I do love Matt Milano. He's probably slightly overrated. But for what the Bills ask him to do, he, he seems to be around the ball and in the right place a lot, and he's a coverage linebacker. Um, I'm going to give the advantage here to the Steelers. Uh, even if they run a, a different defense than we do, they're playing that 3-4. Um, I, I think that they have a really good pass rushing group, and, and we're not the same. It's it's not really a, a true apples-to-apples apples comparison, but I, I think you know just basically on the surface, I, I'll give the advantage over to the Steelers. Uh, but the Bills are not far behind. And if we're talking about the defensive line, of course, we think we have upgraded our defensive line by drafting Gregory Rousseau. He probably is not going to be a starter. Neither will Boogie Basham. But right now, if we're going to talk about Jerry Hughes and then Ed Oliver and we get Starr back and then probably Addison, maybe Epinenza starting on the other side, there's a lot of reason for optimism there, even if it wasn't that great last year and historically probably hasn't been good against the run for a few years. Um, there's some some reason for optimism there. And the Steelers have Cameron Hayward, Tyson Alalu, and I think Chris Wormley is going to end up being the other starter there at the defensive end. For so the defensive line, I'm going to go ahead and give I'm going to give the advantage to the Bills, especially it should be evident our upgraded, quote, finger quotes, upgraded, because we haven't really seen it in a regular season game yet, going against that Steelers offensive line that's pretty suspect. Even if they're slightly upgraded, uh, I still think the Bills' defensive line should eat. 
So if I'm going to make a few predictions here for this game, and you can bookmark this and you can come back and rub it in my face if you feel the need, but I don't think Josh Allen's going to get to 300 yards. I think he's going to end up something with like 225. He'll probably get a two touchdowns. I'll give him two touchdowns. Um, don't think the Bills are going to have impressive rushing yards against that front seven. Um, I'm going to say that neither running back gets above 60 yards. I'm also going to call for the Bills to get three sacks. Now, you can take your pick on who's going to get them, whether you want Hughes, Epineza, or maybe even Group, but I think the Bills will get three sacks. I think Big Ben struggles to get to 200 yards passing. I think he's going to get maybe a touchdown. I'll give him a pick. And we'll say Najee Harris gets 70 yards. And maybe he breaks off a long run. But that Pittsburgh offense is going to be pretty quiet. Final score, let's go 24-17. to I think that's going to be the the gap. That should cover the spread. I believe the spread is 6.5. And And that's it. That is my prediction. And, you know, please let me know if you think I'm just a complete idiot. But I am. You don't have to tell me that. You can... I guess, save your words and your save your tweets. But um, that's my breakdown. That's my breakdown of the Pittsburgh Steelers this week. And I'm very excited to try to get us to one of your favorite segments. I'm sure you love Real or Silly just as much as I do. Justin Goddard from the Wandering Buffalo right here on the Built in Buffalo Network. Please go out there and check them out. Him and Andrew do an excellent job. Jake is also very valuable to that team. He keeps them... Behind the scenes, he he runs meetings and he does all the social media and he keeps them all pointed in the right direction. Uh, so please check out the Wandering Buffalo. Without further ado, real or silly? Hello, I have a fun game for y'all today. It's called Is It Real or Is It Silly? Silly, adjective, laughable or amusing through foolishness or a foolish appearance. Is that for real? Silliness. Okay, is it real? Wow. Double wow. Silliness is defined as engaging in a ludicrous folly. Bill's Mafia, it is that time of the week again. I'm joined by one of my favorite people on the BIB team, Justin Goddard, over from the Wandering Buffalo, where you can find him every Thursday with his pal, Andrew. Justin how are you doing today? I'm doing good. We uh, recording here. We finally got the uh, you know official for now 53 man roster. I was really uh, really waiting tooth and nail for that, and I thought we weren't going to get it before we we got a chance to record today. And I was going to be sitting here checking for the live updates the whole time. So I'm what were you saying, Vince? What were you saying? I wasn't paying attention. I was yeah, looking I for the roster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad I got to glance over that process some of my emotions of that and be able to turn the page to to doing this how are you tonight i'm always doing good i'm always doing much better than i deserve and i will always love that answer (laughs) i um we'll talk about it here in a minute but we're gonna go ahead and get right into it and by now if you're a listener you know the drill where i present a situation to Justin, and he tells me if it is real or silly. He has to go, basically, it's a binary question. Either you believe it's true or you believe it's false, but we just use the term real or silly. So 
Justin, the first question this week is... Question one. Cam Newton was released from the New England Patriots today. He was terrible last year. He threw for eight passing touchdowns and 10 interceptions. Word on the street is Mac Jones is going to be replacing him on an improved New England team. Do you think that Mac Jones... Well, first of all, let me phrase the question correctly. Mac Jones will have 16 passing touchdowns to double up on Cam's total last year. Is that real or is that silly? So I am very low on Mac Jones as an NFL quarterback. Um, Everything he did in preseason, you know, he had his flashes and whatnot. That being said, I'm still going with this being real. Real. Um, and it's largely just due to how just actually bad Cam Newton was last year as a passer of the football. Um, if you throw in Cam's rushing touchdowns and whatever and then try to double it up, maybe it's a different conversation. Um, but the way I'm looking at this one is, you know, they, they added some offensive talent. The receivers don't really blow me away with Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne and, and – in Keel Harry, I don't know if uh, Harry made it through today's cuts, um, but they did bring in the two big tight ends. I just think there's enough there on offense that that they can get some more stuff done this year with an with an actual arm and not a noodle arm. And I think also getting a lot of key players back from from opting out last year and kind of reloading. I think even like marginal starting quarterback play in that system and the defense getting him the ball back and whatnot. I, I think he can get to 16. You think it's real. Okay. I think it's real. I am not very high on Mac Jones either. I think that they have an offense there where I, I don't think Belichick cares if he has a 300 yard passer. I think he's perfectly fine getting 150 in a touchdown. But I, I, I think they're probably slightly better with Mac than they were with Cam because Cam was just so terrible and he had to do everything with his legs because it's, he just couldn't do it. I think it's set up for Mac to have maybe a pretty average rookie season. So I think he'll probably get to that 16. Maybe that's not the best number. Maybe we should have picked something a little higher, but I think he's going to have a completely average rookie season, and which is shocking to me because I did not think – I had seen Bill Belichick rolling with a rookie. So it'll be interesting, but I do think they're slightly better with him. Yeah. And, and to your point, I think maybe we could have made the number a little higher to, to make it a little bit more out there. Um, but I like the doubling up of Cam Newton. Um, and the way I kind of look at this is I think right in like the 16 to 20 range is about what I would expect. Um, and I'm thinking of this team being, like you said, you know, not being overly concerned with a 300-yard passer and throwing for two touchdowns and whatnot. I think they're going to try to win in the trenches, ram the ball down your throat, and I'm, it, which is kind of why I was expecting Cam Newton to stay, to be, you know, another another horse in the stable of, of the running game. Um, but I think they'll, they'll try to bash you in the face with the run game and you know, when you get down towards the goal line and you just keep getting hit in the face with the run game and then they sprinkle in a play action pass and like a little tight end leak play. 
is kind of where I see Mac Jones doing the majority of his of his work on the touchdowns. So I'm I'm looking at it as like averaging about one touchdown a game. So I, I think the 16 to 20 range is is about right. Yeah, I, I'm agreeing with you there. I don't think we're gonna disagree. I was actually very surprised when they decided to bring Cam back. I was like, is there some photos somewhere that okay, is there blackmail? Um, what did you see in him, Bill, that you wanted him back? But I'm just a dumb podcaster. What do I know? Yeah, I kind of figured their game plan was going to be using him as that that running weapon and not really caring what it did to his body at this point. Like if he hurt his shoulder, dropping his shoulder into a linebacker or something like whatever, we have Mac Jones and we're waiting for a reason to play him. Like just run him to his, till his wheels fall off. Um, but yeah, that was it was a little bit of a surprise cut to me for today. Uh, but at the same time, it was more surprising that he stuck around, if that makes sense. That he got brought back in the first place. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. On to question number two. Question two. The Bills have invested heavily in their defensive line, as we know. I think I got a little crazy last week on the second question. and But I'm riding high. I'm, I'm feeling very optimistic about the defensive line at least Justin Goddard, real or silly, the investment in the defensive line is going to put the bills a top five defense in terms of points allowed. Okay. So I, I like that. I like the caveat of how you describe top five defense. There's so many different ways to, to measure defensive performance and, the points allowed is what matters most to me. And as far as top five, there goes, I'm going to say that's real. Real. Uh, I think this, I think this defense can have the ability to give up a ton of yards and, you know, have those running plays that gas you for seven, eight, nine yards at a time. And we'll see that throughout the game. It's it something we saw a lot last year, um, but they do really employ that bend but don't break defense. And we saw we saw a lot of success with it in the preseason, and I don't want to ride too high on that. Um, but even under this regime, even last year when our defense wasn't playing great, it was still a lot of these drives were like long, grueling drives where we really make you earn it. And even if you can force a few more of those touchdown drives into being field goal drives – I think when it all adds up to the end at the end of the season, the opposite opposition point total will be fairly low. So I'll go, I'll go top five. He says it's real. I, uh, I think I agree. I, I think I agree because I think the bills, at least on paper right now at this point, before we start the season appear to have a slightly easier schedule than what we might've had last year. I'm not really worried about anybody in our division, not Zach Wilson, not Mac Jones, not Tua. I don't think they're going to be a danger or a threat to put up large amounts of point on points on us. We've also got, I don't know, the Falcons are not very good, but we do have the Chiefs. We have Tennessee. We have Tampa Bay. There's a few teams on there that worry me, but a lot of the teams are very underwhelming and I, I'm not worried about them putting up large amounts of points. And if this defensive line is doing what we hope and what we are thinking that they can do, I think that makes a lot of difference. 
Yeah, and I I agree. the The top five, I'm not like married to it because I think there's so much that can happen through through the season that you can't really project, right? Um, and the secondary does give me a lot of room for concern. Um, I'm okay with Levi being the number two starting opposite Trey, um, but what we have behind Trey and Levi could go south really quickly, and you know, God forbid there's an injury to Trey and he misses any extended period of time. And even on the same token, the same thing with Levi Wallace, you know, Dane Jackson has looked up and down. And I think Dane Jackson has a little bit of that gamer in him where when the lights are on, he's kind of a different player than he practices. Um, so I, I do like the upside for Dane Jackson. Um, but Beyond our top two, if if either of them were to miss any amount of time, I I think our secondary can get real suspect real fast. So we're gonna really need that defensive line to be getting home, or we could be in trouble. I I agree with that. And as we sit right here on a Tuesday uh, evening, we've not seen what the moves are in store for, for instance, playing placing Harrison Phillips on the IR and who's going to come back to the active roster. It could be, we think it's Reed Ferguson, but there could be another move there, move or two there that we're not seeing right now. Even if wild goose comes back, I'm still concerned. And uh, like you, I do not want anything to happen to Levi or Trey, because I think we're in serious trouble there. If we're going out there worrying about having Dane Jackson being a starting cornerback in any given week. Right. Yeah, okay. I saw you. I saw you hinting at uh, maybe maybe there's another move to be made, and maybe it's cornerback. But uh, I know you listened to to Bruce Nolan too uh, when he he said he's he's throwing in the towel on Brandon Bean, bringing him that number two cornerback because he keeps getting excited for it and keeps not happening. That's it's kind of where I'm where I'm hanging my hat right now. I I was really pulling for Stephen Nelson. And, you know, if we could have a guy like that and have Levi Wallace be like the, the rotation piece or, you know, they, they do the, like the platoon or whatever, I feel a lot better about that and having, you know, him be the next guy up if we had somebody else there. Um, but with him, with him and Trey is the one, two punch there. I get really worried about what's behind it. Yeah. And it doesn't have to, the move does not have to necessarily be a guy that we've already had. It doesn't have to be Wild Goose or Nick McLeod. It can be somebody else from across the league that got cut today or a possible trade. Like there's other things that could be out there. I'm hoping I, maybe oh, I'm being too optimistic, but I'm hoping we're, we're firmly set in EJ Gaines territory right now. Why are you trying to bring me time every year where we see EJ Gaines <laughs> pop back up? Don't bring me down. Don't bring me down, Justin. I'm riding high on the defensive line. What are you doing? <laughs> All right, let's roll to the next one before All I make it right. sad. <laughs> All right. Question number three. Question three. Josh Allen will have more rushing touchdowns than the rest of the team combined. Oh. This one's a hard one for me because I'm trying to – I'm going to go – I'm going to feel silly for saying silly, but I'm going to go silly on this one. A bunch of silliness. I think that 
I think we've kind of refocused into not rushing more, but trying to get more effective runs and seeing like Reggie Gilliam in the preseason and them not being afraid for, you know, third and one, fourth and one at the goal line, just smashing it up the middle. I do think we're going to use that a little bit to our advantage and sneak some trickery in there with Josh Allen for a play like that. Um, But I I do think that they want to move more to him staying in the pocket and, and making his magic happen that way. And I think if we see a little bit of an uptick in the run game and, and see some more production there that we're not going to see as many design quarterback runs in these, you know, the quarterback sweeps and stuff. I do think they'll still be in there, but I think we're going to see a lower percentage of it. So I think Josh Allen's passing touchdowns goes up three or four and his rushing touchdowns goes down three or four. I agree with you in principle that I think there'll be more rushing touchdowns for the rest of the team than Josh Allen. Maybe not for the same specific reasons that you do. I think Josh is probably going to lose a few passing touchdowns along the way to the running game. I think he's still going to get his running himself. I think he's still going to have a healthy amount. And I don't necessarily have a super logical and well thought out argument for this, but I think Reggie Gilliam coming back as a fullback is going to help there on the goal line. If we see anything from Zach Moss maturing into that business decisions guy that he wanted to label himself as, I think that's a good thing. I think we're going to steal a few from Josh in the run game, specifically with the run running backs. I think it'll be close, probably end up being like 12 between the running backs and maybe eight for Josh. But I, I think this year I'm going to say that's silly. So we agree there. Yeah. And how we get there, I, I don't really care if it's more running back production or if it's, you know, maybe running back production out of the backfield and screen passes or little swing passes that get the ball there. Um, at this point, you know, I know there's, if you, if you look at like the analytics into it and whatnot, there's really not much that suggests quarterbacks getting hurt more being outside of the pocket than inside the pocket. You know, a lot of the injuries happen there when they get a little, like a leg shot from the blind side or whatever, especially when it's a guy like Josh Allen, who's as big as a linebacker doling out the hits. Um, But what scares me about a quarterback in the running plays is uh, first of all, Josh has struggled with some ball security and I would rather, you know, Maybe it's something he's worked on, but I'd rather just not put him in that position, give it to the guys that, you know, are more specialized to be, to be running. Um, But also it's kind of like the, when you get a dirty player out there and, you know, he gets a 15 yard run and goes to do the slide and the guy that could have pulled up, but it's right on the fence and he takes a shot to the head or something like that. It's that type of thing that, you know, I, I love Josh for making those plays. It, it kind of reminds me of why I loved Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was always willing to stick his neck out there. And, you know, he's not asking anybody on the team to do something that he won't do. Um, but it's also part of what gives me pause with Josh is that, 
you know, you're talented enough that if we don't get it on this drive, we can get it on the next drive. Um, and I'd rather not see him take some of those shots. So hoping that they pull the reins on his running a little bit this year. Yeah, I agree. And I'm not up on the analytics. It's not really my game. That's a Bruce Nolan thing, but a hit's a hit. I don't care if it's in the pocket or if it's outside the pocket or if it's on the scramble, a hit is a hit and they all add up to the same thing. So I'd like to see less hits everywhere. And if that means less Josh Allen running, I'm okay with that. I still, it's a weapon. I don't want him to cut it out of his game. He still needs to do it. I think to be effective. And I, I don't even mind him doing it near the goal line, but I still would like to see less of it. And what I saw this past weekend in the Packer game, was Zach Moss catching a touchdown pass. I think that's super interesting if he can develop that part of his game near the goal line. That's just another weapon that he could have. We're agreeing too much this week, Vince. Uh, did we agree on all three? I think we did. We did. We had different reasons, at least. So, Okay. Maybe we'll have to, we'll have to do something really hard for next week because it'll be <laughs> the last one we do before real football happens. Oh, man. Real football's about to happen, man. I'm jazzed. I know. I'm starting to like feel like it. You know, I'm starting to like the preseason hit, and I was getting a little bit of football juice. And now the preseason's over. I'm just how many days? How many days? I can't get there quick enough. Yeah, we're we're almost to single digits. Okay, Justin Goddard over from the wandering buffalo you can find him here every week on real or silly with me but you can also find the wandering buffalo thursdays on the built-in buffalo network justin do you have anything else for me i got one for you hit me real or, real or silly bonus bonus question we we're just talking about protecting josh allen and i know one of your most beloved buffalo bills just ended up on the cut list um so real or silly Bobby Hart is the vested veteran waiting in the parking lot, and we see him back on the roster tomorrow. Is there a button that it's more silly than silly? <laughs> I mean, gosh, no, I hope not. Uh, silly. No, I don't want that to happen. I think, my God, I don't even know why he's with the roster on the roster to begin with. I'd rather have an undrafted veteran out there that you don't really know what you have than that steaming fucking turd. <laughs> uh, I love That's all your sentiments there. And if I had to choose an answer for this one, I would, I would unfortunately say real. And I don't want it any more than you do. I don't understand how he really made it to the roster in the first place. I don't know how he made it for through the first couple rounds of cuts. I have no idea why he made it this far, but, for some reason, I have this inkling that they want this backup swing tackle in the in the room that has starting experience, and it, it just feels to me like we all collectively sighed our relief that Bobby Hart was cut, and, and we're going to see him back tomorrow. And I don't know what it is, and I don't want it to happen, but I have that feeling that it, it's going to. He's just messing with us now. He's like, okay, I'll cut him. To, I'll, he could have done it like yesterday. He waited till like the last minute and he's just like, okay, I'll cut him. And then tomorrow he brings him back. He's like, psych, gotcha suckers. Like, oh, Brandon, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> but, like Brandon's Brandon Bean's attempt to like, make sure we all know that he's still mortal. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm the king here, not you guys. You don't tell me what to do. Yeah, you but, don't want Bobby Hart? Take Bobby Hart. <laughs> I think that having five tackles on the roster would be an overkill. I don't I don't, I don't really see it happening, but I I'm with you and maybe it's just a little bit of anxiety in me that thinks there's still a small chance it could happen, but I'm going to go on the safe side and say it's silly. All right. Well, we'll see tomorrow. Probably, I guess we'll have more finalized answers and we'll have to, we'll have to uh, reconvene on that next week. <laughs> okay. All right. Justin Goddard. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll see you next week. All right, go Bills. Vince Taylor and Buffalo on the Brain proudly bring to you the Mafia Hot Seat. A built in Buffalo production. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Be ready. It might be chilly. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Ladies and gentlemen, first up in the Mafia hot seat this week, we have a, well, a very special guest returning for his third time in the Mafia hot seat, Mr. David Tilton. Tilt Money, how are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing great, man. I love being in the hot seat. And I feel like I've been very predictable with the numbers I've chosen the last two times. So I'm gonna go like completely like off the off the wall with the with the number I pick this time. Something I would never pick normally, but I'll I'm gonna pick something random tonight. I like that because I I tr do try to mix the questions up because I don't want people to get to catch on. And I have different questions every week, but I I do try to make a, a conscious effort not to be predictable about put a good question at seven every week and it'll get picked. Now I try to mix it up. So go for it. All right. I'm going with a number. I would never pick Uh nine. I have no connection to that number. I have no reason to pick that number. It's not like a great number. I don't know. I'm going with nine. It's random. Okay. okay. We just got through roster cuts. Mm -hmm. Now we've got our practice squad finalized. For all intents and purposes, this is the final roster as finals as it really is going to get. After seeing the cuts that were made, mm -hmm. is there a position group that you have some concern with? Mm. <sighs> I mean, it's funny because after the cuts were made, I didn't think there were any real surprises in in the cuts that were made other than Jacob Hollister was like the, really the big surprise to me. So in a room where we were already in my mind lacking, you know, top to bottom, like depth and talent, like not to say that Dawson Knox isn't talented because he, because he is, but like, it's just not a, a group that's had a lot of success you know, holistically together, right? So I would say the surprise to me and a group that maybe needs some attention is tight end. Now you'll see a lot of people online saying, well, you know, the bills don't value the tight end as much, or they think that the tight ends they have are fine with Sweeney and Knox, but it's just interesting to me that a guy that obviously had the connection with Josh Allen 
had some has had some success in the league, albeit on a on a smaller sample size with the Patriots and with the Seahawks. You cut a guy like Hollister on, on cut down today, and you leave that room really without like a true veteran presence like we've had with like Lee Smith and with Tyler Croft in the past. So now it's really Dawson Knox as the guy, and there's no one really there now to mentor him if you think about it. So that to me is a is a position that I kind of um, scratch my head at a little bit, I would say. Yeah, I don't disagree. I had not considered Joe Marino's thought, and I think a lot of people are, after he said it, I see a lot of people jumping on that idea of letting another tight end go because we have Reggie Gilliam on the roster. Yep. I, I didn't yep. think that it would be Hollister. I thought it might be Sweeney. I'm a Sweeney fan. I don't think he's ever going to be a superstar, but he's going to be pretty good. He's an NFL tight end. But I wonder, Till, and you tell me if you think I'm completely off base here. You know how some clubs might not like to take a veteran backup quarterback if they have a younger starting quarterback because they don't want the controversy. And it's like the old adage, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. If you apply that somewhat loosely here to the tight end position, that getting rid of Hollister is a removing some stress from Dawson Knox. Do you think that's completely out of line there? I don't think it's out of line. I think it's actually kind of like a well thought out idea because it kind of makes sense. Like what is Knox's issue been it's really been mental right the drops like everything for him nothing none of his issues are physical right like he's got all the physical tools his issues have been mental and he hasn't been able to hold on to the football now can we make the jump can we make the conclusion that part of that maybe is like he's had to look over his shoulder and see guys like tyler croft and see guys like jacob hollister um, they're veterans that have been in the league and have been in the league for a number of years. Now they've never really been alpha tight ends, but they're there and he's maybe feeling the pressure that he's got to perform. Um, you know, third round draft pick, the bills traded up to get him. Does he have, does he feel that pressure now without that guy there? Can he play with a freer mind knowing, Hey, I'm the guy, no matter what, like, yes, Tommy Sweeney's there, but now I'm the guy, no matter what. I don't think it's like totally outlandish to, I don't think it's a totally outlandish take. Do I think that it's a stretch? Maybe, but I also don't think we should totally dismiss it. It just gives me a little pause because to me, and I'm just a dumb podcaster, what the hell do I know? But I feel like this is the year for Knox. This is the year where there's no more excuses, like no more patience. If we're seeing in game six, game seven, game eight, that he's still doing the same thing after going to Titan University and working with the hand-eye coordination specialist and all these things that he's supposedly doing in the offseason, and he's still doing the same things. To me, I feel like that's when you would have to demote him and move on. And you know, uh, I thought that would have been Hollister's window to be the starter, but that safety net is now been removed. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's gone. The safety net's gone. So it's like third year. It's it's time to shine, right? Now 
people want to are, are going to have different opinions on sort of what the tight end means to this offense. It's never, at least as it stands right now, I don't think it's going to be a high volume position for the bills. I think it'll be similar to last year. Uh, you know, there were only, I think it was only 40 catches combined across all the tight ends on the roster last year. So for Knox, it becomes more about efficiency, right? And making sure that he makes the most out of all of his targets. And I'm not saying he's got to catch every single one, but he's got to be more efficient in catching the ball. I think he was right around like between a 50 and 60% catch rate, some, something like that last year. And he needs to really be up closer to that 70%, um, mark, I think to really, really make a bigger impact. Right. And we've seen when he gets the ball in his hands, how much of an impact he can make. It's just, you gotta get, you gotta get it and keep it in your hands if you're Dawson Knox. So, um, like I said, I don't expect him to all of a sudden be like a 70 catch thousand yard tight end, but if he can catch, you know, 35 balls this year for, you know, 400, 500 yards and, and, you know, a handful of touchdowns, I would consider that a success for him this year. Are you not of the belief that the tight ends are not being used because there's just not the trust factor. Like if he were to take a step, would he become a bigger part of the offense? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. And Steve and I kind of talk about this all the time. It's like a chicken and egg scenario, right? Is it the bills not using the tight end because they don't trust the personnel or are they not investing in the tight end because that's just not how they want to run their offense. It's a great talking point. And I would say that, if Knox and if Knox early in the season shows a little more consistency, then I think that he can create some mismatches for you that you might not be able to get otherwise over the middle of the field with guys like Beasley or or Sanders, right? Like he can just do size wise things that they can't. They can do things he can't. But if he can combine sort of what he brings to the table ceiling wise to what Beasley and Sanders can bring over the middle of the field. Then you might see him getting worked into the into the offense a bit more. Now Diggs is still going to get his. I think if anything, that's going to come at the expense of Sanders and and Beasley, some combination of that, because I expect that you know Davis will still be on the the outside predominantly, um, opposite of Diggs, and then Sanders probably as well a little bit. So you know, honestly, if he does become a bigger part of the offense, it's probably going to be at the expense mostly of Cole Beasley. And then a little bit of Sanders would be my guess. Another thought that I might have for the tight end group is if we had kept Hollister and Knox, the two of them together. And if Knox is taking the steps that you might think that he should be, does that make the offense more, able to exploit matchups so we can put two tight ends in there when we feel like we need to maybe it helps the run game maybe there's a little bit more play action maybe we're gonna split knocks out wide and and just kind of throw that kind of curveball at you i don't know i just feel like that ability is lessened with sweeney as opposed to knox and hollister yeah, it is lessened, but the thing is, you know, Sweeney, for as much as he's kind of viewed as a blocker, he does have good hands. So, like, I actually, in a way, I'm kind of, like, excited to see what Sweeney can do with some more opportunity that he wouldn't have otherwise had if Hollister wasn't there. So maybe the Bills are looking at it like, hey, 
we're probably not going to change our offense too much from what we did last year because it obviously worked well. But Sweeney is a guy who showed a little bit of promise in the preseason, obviously his rookie year, and then you know he only played six games. So, hey, for if you're the Bills and you're like, look, we're going to see what both of these young guys can bring. It's not just a story of Dawson Knox. It's a story of Dawson Knox and Tommy Sweeney as young guys in the tight end room. And then we can stop playing this sort of one-year, you know, average-type veteran move every year and, like, really see what we need to do with this position next year. Because I do honestly believe the Bills were interested in Ertz, um, even though that never materialized. It, it seemed like they were trying to do something to kind of go all the way all, like, all the way to the other side with the tight end, right? It's either they either took the stance of we're just going to go all young, you know, have have Knox and Sweeney there, or we're going to go for like what we would think is an elite tight end in Zach Ertz. And they, you know, didn't get the price they wanted, so they decided to stick with the young guys. So for me, it gives them a better idea, I think, than for 2022 of what they really need to do with the group. You have no concerns with the cornerback depth. I do, but I've like already kind of beaten that to death with like, I was on the cornerback for the draft. I wanted to get Asante Samuel. I wanted Melifonwu. I think you and I might've even talked about this after the draft. Like I just, I, I've, I've beaten it to death. The cornerback situation. I think that, the jury's out on Dane Jackson, right? He had an up and down camp. Levi Wallace clearly won that battle during camp. So Levi, you know, lives to see another year of at least starting out as the starter opposite of Trey. Um, I did like some of the flashes I saw from McLeod in the preseason. He obviously didn't make the team, got picked up by Cincinnati. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got guys like Wild Goose on the practice squad, Elijah Griffin on the practice squad, but what, what are they really going to give you right now? Not much. So in a way you're really relying on Trey Levi Wallace and a second year Dane Jackson, which I mean, it's really, is it really going to be worse than what it was with Josh Norman last year? I don't think so. Cause he was pretty bad. So, um, another year Levi Wallace there fine. And then Dane Jackson, maybe he can show something. So I do have concerns, but it's more around like if Trey gets hurt, we're screwed than it is anything than it is anything else. I think for me. Yeah. Okay. We're on the same page there. I, I'm not a Dane fan. I don't really know what I should expect from him. And you know, everything that I hear out of training camp is he's been pretty inconsistent, very up and down and didn't take the job from Levi. And I don't know, I have him being our, basically number one cornerback to back up either Trey or Levi is like you said, Trey goes down. Yeah. We better be get a great pass rush like all the time. I know. I know that's the thing. Uh, because, and this is also why I wanted to draft a corner, right? Because you know, it's a passing league. You him going down like has like this huge domino effect on the entire secondary, right? Like maybe not so much the safeties, but even for them too, they're going to have to then worry about like, Oh, do I have to shade a little bit more over to, 
the side that Trey was on because now we don't really fully trust the guy that is replacing him. And then all of a sudden something, you know, something pops over the middle because like they were shading too far. It's just stuff like that. I think about, um, is, is why like, man, knock on wood that Trey white doesn't get hurt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So you got anything else for me? No, man. I think that what are we, we're in September now. So really now it's starting to feel like we're getting close to the first game. So I'm excited, man. I was at the bills Packers, uh, preseason game. I flew up to Buffalo for the weekend. Obviously you, you and I were talking about the, uh, the comedy of errors on the, uh, the, the court there for uh judge and Z and clay. <laughs> and, and so it was nice, man, being in the stadium, seeing the game person. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for the season to start. I do think though, I will say this. I don't think the Steelers are going to be as big of a pushover week one as a lot of people expect it to be. I'll just, I'm just going to go on record and say that like six and a half points is the spread right now. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, the bills are going to win by two touchdowns. They're going to win by three. Like I'm just saying the Steelers, it's a different week one animal than last year with the jets. Like we, we are going to be in for, I think uh, it's going to be a tough game. I think week one. I don't hate that. They have a good defensive front seven. I think that if their offensive line is very questionable and if our defensive line is, or at least our ends are what we think they are. And big Ben is, you know, he fell off a cliff last year and they were kind of getting it done a little bit with smoke and mirrors and relying on that defense. I think the matchups favor the bills, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if the game's closer than we think. I mean, we've played them close the last two years, both in prime time and have beaten them both times. And I know it was every season's different, you know, 2019 Josh was still kind of figuring things out and we were going against duck Hodges that game. And obviously it took the bills down to like the fourth quarter to end up winning with some defensive help, but different season. And then last year we got off to a slow start at home, turned it on in the second half and kind of pulled away. So it'll be really interesting to see like how the game starts this year. If the Bills can get off to a, a faster start than they have in the last two times they played the Steelers. I think if the like you said, if the Bills get off to a fast start and they force the Steelers into a passing type game and really put a lot of pressure on that Steelers offensive line, then yeah, I think it could be the Bills could be comfortably in control. But that Steelers front seven does um does still scare me a little bit. So We'll they did lose. Steven Nelson's gone. I'm not sure. Yeah. They replaced Dupree is gone too. Dupree is so, gone. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So I'm just saying it's not the Jets. <laughs> yeah. Was <laughs> it last year that they how they basically smothered and, and suppressed Allen for the first half and it was real tight. And then the second half just opened up and it was over. Yep. Yeah. That was the, last year. Okay. That was last year. Yeah. And the, and Johnson made his made the first of his big pick sixes in that game to kind of turn it around for us. And then the offense kind of got it going in the second half and kind of did its thing. And really the Steelers offense couldn't do anything in that second half last year. So yeah, it, it, that, that interception was kind of the, the catalyst and then the offense kind of got it together. Okay. 
David Tilton. Tilt Money, one half of the Air Raid Hour over there on the Buffalo Fanatics Network. Tell, tell the good folks where they can find your stuff. They already know, but tell them anyway. Yeah, so we're on uh, the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. Steve and I, uh, he's at Judge Mathis on Twitter. He's tweeting all the time. And he's the one, by the way, for anyone listening, he's the one that always tweets from the Air Raid Hour account. So if you see any, like, shooting from the hip type tweets coming out. It's not me. It's him. <laughs> I would like to be disassociated with that. That is not me. Distance. <laughs> uh, but that's good for Twitter, right? I mean, it works well. But anyway, we're live every Monday and Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. We've got a show tomorrow night. We're going to be reacting to the 53-man uh, roster and also to the practice squad um, makeup. So that'll be good. Tomorrow night we'll give um, – give us a little more time to, to, to be level headed with our thoughts about it. So <laughs> yeah, every Monday and Thursday, 9 PM on Buffalo fanatics, YouTube. Okay. There you have it. So it's always a pleasure. I do really love getting a chance to talk to you, enjoy your guys' stuff. And I uh, appreciate, appreciate your time, my friend. Yeah. And thank you for having me. I always enjoy coming on to the hot seat. I wonder, uh, I wonder if I should have picked my, well, I can't ask you because someone else might pick it. My normal number two, I'm curious what it is. Maybe you can tell me uh, after we stop recording. Okay. <laughs> I will. All right. I will do that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Enjoy the rest of your night. All right. See you, man. Ladies and gentlemen of Bill's Mafia, next up on the hot seat this week, you know him. You love him. He's sort of like one of the mascots for the Built in Buffalo podcast network and the YouTube channel as well. Justice General, how are you doing tonight? Uh, it's always an honor to you know sit down and talk with you, Vince. So I appreciate you having me on. I always make time for you, man. I always make time for you. Yeah, and vice versa, definitely. What's going on? What's new? Man, uh, just getting ready for a regular season. Obviously, it's, it's a grind uh, having to, you know, deal with the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram. Then also, uh, I got some hype videos coming um, for the YouTube. I've got a, a couple of those coming, actually. Um, you know, trying to get everybody in built above, built in Buffalo situated, uh, you know, with intros and logos, things like that. I just want everybody to be good. So, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, there's not enough hours in the day, honestly. <laughs> so there may or may not be a rumor that is circulating in the community. A rumor that I may or may not have started that you are a <laughs> robot created to make Bill's content. And would you, Justice, submit yourself to the Turing test? Well, see, the thing about a robot is... You, you wouldn't know if you were one unless you were made aware. So I, th I think that might be the only way to really know if I am or am not. So I can't really say. So we'll just submit you to the Turing test and everyone will find out at the same time. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll all get, you know, the answer, <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> because I don't think you sleep. I, I don't think you sleep. I think you were created in a lab somewhere by some crazy Bills fan scientist, and he you just spit out content all the time. No, man, I, I get a couple hours of sleep at night, man. I, I would say probably four or five, um, but I, I also can't sleep. So, it you know, it, it it's just 
kind of go hand in hand with the hard work and whatnot. But like I've all I've never really been able to sleep. I was always a night owl. So <laughs> okay. We will go ahead and get started. I have all my questions in front of me. You can have any number you like, except nine and ten is off the board as well. Okay. What are we going up to? Ten? Yes. All right. I'll take I'll take a little uh Give me two. Justice, we drafted Ed Oliver inside the top 10. We all thought we were getting, you know, just an amazing playmaking defensive tackle on the interior. And I think he's been a little underwhelming. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like there has been a lot of excuses made for him. And I'm not saying... Please don't hear that I'm saying he's terrible, but what's your feelings on him? Um, I think that Ed Oliver is 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 going to come into his own, right? I could see Ed. I here my prediction was that uh, Ed Oliver was going to have like his breakthrough year this year. Um, I think that it's it's kind of a perfect storm for him uh, this year. You know, his first year, obviously, he struggled. Second year wasn't great, but he was kind of thrown into some positions that he, you know, wasn't used to playing or maybe expecting to play. Uh, but this year, I think he's he's got back, you know, his his guy star is, is there. Uh, not only that, but obviously Jerry Hughes should continue to be the best pass rusher on his team. And we actually we have or we're hoping to have competent edge rushing opposite Jerry Hughes this year, um, whether that's Rousseau, Epinesa, Basham, uh, Addison, whoever, uh, they're looking to be better and bring more production than what, you know, those guys did last year. So I think that's going to help him tremendously. Um, I, I see him, you know, closing the pocket. And, you know, when you've got a guy like Rousseau out there, with his long arms, he's going to close a lot of gaps and people aren't going to have very many places to run and uh, you're going to be ripe for the, you know, the taking right there for Ed Oliver to go ahead and create that pressure and get a couple quarterback hits this year. So I am someone who is of the belief that he is going to, you know, improve. And I think he could be one of the better defensive tackles in the NFL. I'm not writing off that possibility. I feel like at this point in his career, I'm a little disappointed at the production and I might feel better if we had drafted him say later in the first round, if he was picked 28 or 30, my opinion might be better of him. But since we picked him in the top 10, we thought we were getting that guy. He hasn't, to this point, been his guy, and he's undersized. That matters to some degree, I think. But I'm also a little concerned is maybe just a little bit too strong of a word that we are relying on another player next to him for him to reach his potential. And to me, I think that if you drop somebody in the top 10, you want the guy next to him to worry about him being in or out of the lineup instead of the other way around. Is any of that sounding way off base to you? No, not at all. I think that's that's all pretty fair criticism. Um, and I'm I'm not really going to argue with any of it, honestly. For me, it's just, you know, what I see on film. I see that he has the talent. He, he has the potential. He has the strength, the speed, the quickness, the the uh, 
you know, hands. Uh, he has it all, really. Uh, it's just about being, you know, consistent, really. Uh, and I think that he can be. I think uh, a lot of the defense kind of gets a bad rap um, individually. I think as an overall unit, I think our defense is really good. But individually, there's a lot of players who kind of get a bad rap. Oh, Jordan Poyer doesn't get enough um, turnovers. Micah Hyde doesn't get enough interceptions. Trey White doesn't get enough interceptions. You know, uh, Tremaine Edmonds is, you know, not finding his way to the ball carrier, whatever the case may be. I feel like a lot of those guys get a bad rap um, or or the linebackers can't cover tight ends over the middle, et cetera, because of the lack of pass rush, honestly. And I think that also kind of bleeds into the defensive line. I think uh, Jerry Hughes doesn't get as many sacks anymore because we don't have a competent pass rush opposite of him. I think that, you know, Ed Oliver doesn't get the opportunities uh, that he should get because last year specifically, there was nobody next to him or opposite Jerry Hughes. Uh, so that's two spots on the, the defensive line that's below par, uh, in my opinion. And I think that that greatly affected both Ed Oliver and Jerry Hughes. Uh, so so now you have Star back um, because, you know, Star was there at Ed's rookie season. But it, I think it's pretty clear that he wasn't really polished his rookie year. Um, so I think Last year, I saw a lot of growth, saw a lot of maturity, uh, and this year, I'm expecting to see that alongside a Greg Rousseau being able to close the edges, uh, along with Jerry uh, Hughes being able to close the edge. So now you got, you know, the pocket is collapsing on a guy, and I think that if if Stars is there having to, you know, taking the double teams, I think that Ed Oliver can beat most guards in the NFL one-on-one. Uh, to be able to to make a play because guard play around the league just isn't very great um, in the NFL at, at this current you know point in time. Uh, there's is below average guard play I would say around the NFL. Of course, there are the better guards in the league, but I don't think there's enough guards to go around. Like there's not enough good to elite guards. I think a lot of the good teams have probably mediocre guards like even us i don't think our guard play is great at all but we have one of the better uh, offensive lines in the nfl at least per pff right um so i think that again you know i think that the lack of pass rush and lack of dominance being able to beat your guy one-on-one between you know a vernon butler or a uh trent murphy or something uh last year i think that that really negatively affected guys like ed oliver and, and jerry hughes and i think that that will write that wrong will write itself this year. Well, I, I hope so. I, I'm not here to say, and I hope that nobody hears this and saying that I'm an anti Ed Oliver fan. That's not true. You might listen to me talk about Tremaine Edmonds and think that I'm anti Tremaine Edmonds. That's not necessarily <laughs> true either. I'm disappointed in Edmonds, but I'm, it's not, I don't have the same feelings for Oliver. I think Oliver is a good player. Mm-hmm. I I just, if we had drafted at Oliver at the later end of the first round, I don't probably have any problem with him, but because we drafted him in the top 10 and he isn't, and I don't mean to compare him to Aaron Donald. There's only one Aaron Donald and he's a good player and he gets his share of plays, but I don't think he's that massive, you know, I don't know, franchise defensive tackle is a term that I want to use, but I don't think he's that guy yet. 
I think the fact that you're disappointed in guys like Ed Oliver and Tremaine Edmonds says a lot to how much you really do like them, right? Because you're not saying that you're disappointed in a guy like Trent Murphy or something, right? Because you, you weren't expecting anything really from them to begin with, right? Um, so you want Tremaine Edmonds and Ed Oliver and, and guys like that to be better because you see the potential, because you see what they could potentially be and what they could potentially mean for this franchise and i think that you probably like their upside and their potential and you would like to see that maximized uh so you know i, I don't really take it as a negative when people say i'm expecting more from so and so uh i'm one of the bigger tremaine Edmonds, you know guys probably in the bills community but there are things i was absolutely there like i mentioned like you know andre smith hits people he goes through people and oh I man really you're gonna start up you're well, gonna, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there, but I do, you know, I, I am going to say that Andre Smith does hit. He's go through, he goes through people. Uh, you know, he goes through the ball carrier and I wish Tremaine played with that type of intensity. You know, I really do. And, but I, I am still a very big Tremaine Edmonds fan. And I think that he could be our Luke Keekly one day. So, you know, I, I think it, it, again, you know, it, it speaks to how much, you you probably see what they could be, and that's the only reason you would be disappointed in said player. Okay. My disappointment level level is not as high on Ed Oliver, and it's because he's a fine defensive tackle, and I, I don't have any problems with his play. I just have, you know, he's not a top 10 player, I think. But if mm-hmm. we're going to switch back to Tremaine for a minute, I don't know. You Let me ask you another question, Justice. Okay. How long do you give him before you decide he's not the guy? He's not a franchise linebacker. How long do you keep looking at him? Okay, so here's my thing on Tremaine Evans, right? The reason why I I say things like he has potential and he's young, I say those things because he's already an above average linebacker. At this current time in space, he's he's already an above average linebacker, right? So I wouldn't give up on a guy who's young and has supreme potential when they are already better than a lot of guys in the league, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like he could be better for sure. Absolutely. I feel like he, he could be much better. But I, I do feel like he already gives you a premium over most guys. So I'm going to give that guy you know, as much time as he needs until he goes to being mediocre or below, you know, average. So right now you have, he has another year like he had last year. You're going to give him 17, 18, $19 million a year. No, absolutely not. Okay. So you're with me. You're with me. You just don't know it. You're on my side. I got you. Ah. See now him deserving 17 or $18 million is different from wanting him to still be my linebacker. Right. I wouldn't rooting. I'm not actively rooting against him. No, no, no. Yeah. I'm not saying, I'm not saying you are, but like, if you, if you, if, if he had another season like that, I would look at him and say, you're not one of the, the top, top elite guys in the NFL. So you shouldn't be paid like the number one linebacker because you're not close to that. Right. But you're still above average. So I wouldn't mind you having on my team. You have a spot on my team still, but we're not paying you 15, 16, $17 million. Right. I would like to see if he has a season like he did last year, I would like to see him play through his, uh, you know, fifth year option. And then, you know, we'll see what happens and I'll pay you if you play well enough, but you got to play well enough. So you're on the same side as me. You just 
voice your opinion differently than me. <laughs> because okay, he's, so you know what, that he's going to ask for your, that, and you know he's most likely what, going to get something like yeah. that. Yeah. What's your bottom line, though? Like, what is what's the thesis of your uh, feelings about Tremaine Edmonds? Well, he's going into his fourth year, and I don't think he is a game changing linebacker. I don't think the plays that he makes. I think he cleans things up. I think he's very rangy. I think he's got all the athletic ability that should mm -hmm. be able to do things. I have said many times that I think he's not as bad in coverage as he gets the rap for mm -hmm. but when it comes he's not a great tackler he's not a big hitter yeah he doesn't make nope. a lot of tackles on the other line of scrimmage you know i just when you're making a game plan Tremaine Edmonds is not the guy that the defensive coordinators are worried about he's just yeah he's a guy now can he turn that's it on? reasonable though that's sure reasonable. yeah it, the, I, everyone always oh, young yeah, he's, I, I know that. I know he's young. I mean, that's because every time we talk about him, we have to mention that he's young. That's not <laughs> the point. I don't want to hand you a, a contract because you're young. You have to earn that second contract. And right now, he's not earning that top tier money on the second contract. That's my entire point. Like, I'm not, I, I think he's fine. If he's your starting linebacker, you could do worse, but he's not mm. that guy. Yeah, that's, that's reasonable. I, I totally agree. I see. I guess the way, you know, you're, you people make it seem like they make it seem like you're like a Tremaine Edmonds hater. And I never really thought you were a hater, but I did think that you were like down on him. <laughs> but, you know, to say he's not, you know, a number one linebacker and shouldn't be paid like a number one linebacker. I think that's like common sense. So. But that's what's that's what we're trending to. That's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I, if you lock him in and you give him a bunch of guaranteed money and he. I I just if yeah, I were no, a GM, I wouldn't be comfortable with that. No, I would move on and look for another draft pick and see what we can get. And I don't care. Pro Bowls mean nothing to me. I don't give a rat's ass about Pro Bowls. Yeah, you can test the market if if that's your prerogative. Um, but again, I, I've said this numerous times. I think that Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott's defense, the way it's set up is it's going to put you in the best place to succeed no matter what position you're at. If you have the talent to make it happen, then you could be a star in this league in this defense. Um, so do I like Tremaine Edmonds? Absolutely. I love Tremaine Edmonds, and I, I think that he's going to be a great linebacker one day. Do I need him to actually improve in order for me to continue having that opinion of him? Yeah, he does need to improve probably like dramatically in order to be one of the best linebackers in the league and to deserve Darius Leonard money. Um, he probably needs to improve like quite a bit. Uh, but, you know, I, I still I'm a really, really big fan of Tremaine Edmonds. OK, there you have it. Justice is agreeing with me, even when he's not agreeing with me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we will find out if Justice is a robot. Maybe sometime this season <laughs> we'll subject him to the Turing test and we'll all find out together. I'll do it. I'm, I'm with it. Justice, before you go, anybody that listens to me is there, already knows all about you, but why don't you plug your socials and all of the many shows that you do? Okay, there's a lot. <laughs> All right, so Take a uh, you can find me. You can find me on Twitter at uh, ja seventeen mvp underscore built bib built in Buffalo, um, and then I have home field advantage that comes out every single Wednesday. That's at 
8 p.m. I have the Windshield Factor podcast that comes out every single Tuesday, uh, just a podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network, where you can also find this podcast. Um, and then I have first round by um, every single Monday uh, at 6.30 p.m. It'll be kind of be like a Built in Buffalo roundtable just for the weekly uh, games that come on, you know, the guy I'll invite guys from the brand to, you know, get their opinions on the games and, and whatnot. And we will be having, oops. see, I don't want to be biased, but this might be my favorite lineup <laughs> so far. It's a live <laughs> show, by the way, that's a live yeah, show. It's, it's a live show. We're going to have this weekend. Uh, it's going to be me, obviously my boy, Jake Jordan, and we're going to have uh, T Estelle and none other than the great Vince Taylor. So uh, I appreciate you joining. Oh, and I also want to give a shout out to my boy, Caveman. Um, I do home field advantage with him. I don't want to leave him out. Uh, but yes, I do want to, you know, let you know that I really appreciate you, uh, you know, agreeing to come through uh, with, and, and talk with us. When I can, I will. Absolutely. I always have time for you and Jake. You guys are my guys. So absolutely. Yeah. Same here, brother. All right. There you have it. Justice, thanks so much. Enjoy the rest of your night, sir. Thank you. You as well. And go plug into the wall or whatever it is you wrote. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, Justice. All right. Good night. <laughs>Right, Bills Mafia, you made it through another episode of Buffalo on the Brain. I don't know why you do it. I don't know why you do it. I don't know why you subject yourself to this kind of madness and silliness, but I appreciate it. I appreciate each and every one of you. And please remember, go out and say good things to other people. I enjoy saying nice things to other people that deserve it. And I want you to do the same thing. So not me. Go out and find two or three other podcasters in the community that you enjoy their work. doesn't have to be from the Built in Buffalo podcast network, but I appreciate it if it was. Go tell somebody how much you like it. Go tell somebody specifically why you listen to their podcast and what they do well. We like to hear it. And, you know, let's, let's, let's gear up for the season. Let's stay positive. And I'm not completely altruistic. I like to say other people say nice things about other people because, you know, Quite honestly, it makes me feel good too. So um, until next week, please squeeze somebody close to you. Please wear a mask and go Bills. And by the way, the next time we talk, the Bills will already have played their first game of the season. So until next week, go Bills. If you were not absolutely satisfied with this podcast episode, please contact your state senator or the postmaster general. Please be sure to mention, Vince Taylor said that you are a big fucking cry-ass. Here we are, I'm out of my third Pro Bowl. We're talking about our idiot podcaster who got liquored up and ran his mouth off. So what has the sports world come to? We're talking about idiot podcast. Boy, I'm sure glad that's over with. Me too. Yeah, but you know, I learned something today. Just when you think this show is terrible, something wonderful happens. What? It ends.
That's all, folks. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.